we have to start with the massive atomic bomb that was Denzel when he had that incredible intro. Looking back at it all these years later and looking back at his career in total, that has to be like the best Denzel intro he's like ever done in a movie, right? <laughs> Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story, a story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now, go. Well, there was a DUI stop. A DUI stop? Wow, let me load up my guns. <laughs> a DUI? Oh, well, shit. I- Listen, all right, it's good. We were on Midwatch. Oh, we and, Oh, uh, me and Debbie. Who's Debbie? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Debbie Maxwell, my training officer. You had a female training officer? Yes, sir. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so what was she, black, white? She was white. Uh-huh. Lick a license? A what? A lick her license. Was she a dyke, a lesbian? Oh, is she I, any good? Uh, is she yeah, any good? she's just pretty good. Okay, so pretty good, Debbie. Midwatch, go. Right. Uh, all right. Well, so it was a real quiet night. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That's the point. Go. All right. Well, it was it was quiet night. Uh, we're rolling on Van Noen. I'm driving. Uh, this Acura, just a beautiful car, comes out of side street, all over the median, in excess. I light it up, hit the whaler. Guy drives on like I'm invisible for 10 blocks before he pulls over. Right, plates run clean, and so I field test and arrest, and I'm, I'm belting him in our unit, and Debbie's tossing his car. She calls me over to the vehicle and shows me a Snub 38 and two shotguns fully loaded and locked. No shit. No shit. So uh, she calls our supervisor, and I keep searching. I find 500 grams of meth in the dash. Turns out this DUI is on bail for distribution. It's on his way to smoke his ex-partner before trial. Boom. We prevented a murder. You got him. It's <laughs> amazing. It is. That you could be out there with a fine bitch for a year. And the most entertaining story that you can come up with to tell me is a drunk stop. But I don't believe you. You tapped that ass, didn't you? Tell the truth. You know you tapped that ass. You put her in the back seat, bam, code X. But man, I got a wife. You got a dick. You do have a dick, don't you? Yes. Okay, dick lines up straight like that, right? To the right of it and to the left of it are pockets, right? In those pockets are money. Look in either one of them, pay the bill. Hey, grab that menu off that window for me, huh? Get in, it's unlocked. <laughs> Just throw that in the glove box. This car is not from the motor pool. No, it's not. Sexy though, isn't it? So where's the office back at Division? You're in the office, baby. Going out.
for this episode, we are going to be looking back at the February of 2002 Oscars, uh, the 74th Academy Awards, and the biggest nights for black actors, effectively. So yeah, this, this is the this is the night where Denzel and Halle Berry won Best Actor and Best Actress for <laughs> Training Day and Monsters Ball. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into Monsters Ball, like. <laughs> you we want to start with Monsters Ball? No, we got to start with the fun. Well, yeah, we got to start with the fun. We got to start with the fun. And I want to talk to you because, you know, Training Day was in the conscience of everyone at the time when it released. Yep. But we have to start with the massive atomic bomb that was Denzel when he had that incredible intro. I, I, I think that... Looking back at it all these years later and looking back at his career in total, that has to be, like, the best Denzel intro he's, like, ever done in a movie, right? I think so. There's just no beating that, the just the swag that he br- brings into that whole piece, man. It's just, it's pretty incredible. There's nothing that I can think of that tops any character introduction Denzel's ever been in. For Denzel and mm-hmm. his intro... And how just like off the top rope he is, and like his energy, and his like devilish like sense of humor, and then and then the massive DRE drop, still DRE drop, like right. I remember vividly thinking like this is a level of Denzel that we have really not been privy to before, and Training Day I think is, I think for what it did back then and what it is now, I think it's it's aged relatively really really well. Yeah. I agree. It it was the first time, really, that we got to see Denzel that I could recall, at least when I when I watched this. The first time we really got to see Hood Denzel in a way, because yeah. he's always played such. I mean, he's he's obviously played characters who who's been from the hood and stuff, but this is really Denzel at his blackest, is what yeah. it might be. <laughs> so that was the effect that I got when I ran it back a few days ago, and it's it's so good, so good. Yeah, Pharrell. And uh, I think when I wrote my review on Letterboxd, I wrote that it's it's really easy to forget how of the culture that these movies really had a hand in and mm-hmm. how omnipresent it was. And even from like <laughs> from this movie, if you remember the video for <laughs> what happened to that boy <laughs> in the pigeons. Yeah. Uh, and even the Chappelle show skit with, uh, oh my God, I'm I'm seeing his face, so I'm beginning his name. But when Chappelle did the ride around with that comedian Wayne Brady, Wayne Brady, yeah, yeah, and they and they basically did like the training day homage Brady. in that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I didn't so, know you like to get wet, Dave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, oh my god. And so the movie was the movie was really everywhere and Denzel himself, he really was like was and is a part of the culture. And right. for the totality of his career, you know, obviously, you know, him not getting it him not getting best actor for Malcolm X is like incredibly It's a crime. Yeah, like it's But we inc- also understand why he didn't get a best actor for Malcolm X. So yeah and politics as usual yeah and 
But for this one, like, I was halfway through this, I was like, Denzel definitely deserved the award for, for this movie. Every bit of it. Because it, it's easy to pigeonhole it and be like, oh, all Denzel did was uh, be this, be a corrupt cop. And like, oh, there's so many actors do that in their sleep. But there's a difference between actor A being a cop who is corrupt and you put him in this movie and then you put Denzel Washington into this role. And Denzel ate this entire film. He, he ate yeah. everything, man. Like chewing all the scenery and Ethan Hawke was all he could do to keep up with them. And he did a hell of a job too. Let's not take away anything from Ethan Hawke in this yeah. film. But th- this was Denzel's movie start to finish. Yeah, I think Ethan Hawke, he actually does a really good job. And even though it does kind of teeter into copaganda, it, it doesn't fully because, if anything, even if, you know, even if your thought of police are in a positive and a negative, mm-hmm. it's, if you would hope if someone wants to be a police officer, you would hope that they would act like Jake Hoyt. Like you would hope that yeah. they Blueprint. would they would want to uphold the law. They believe in like literally like serving and protecting. They believe in putting criminals, you know, to justice. Right. And he's very green and he's very new. And <laughs> his, his like vulnerability and naivete, I think he really pulled off in in a really great way. I, I enjoyed Ethan Hogan this a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, speak to naivete. Like he he smoked PCP like in the first twenty minutes of the movie, man. Like, <laughs> I no, mean, no, no, I've never been around PCP, so I don't know how it smells. Well, he, he thought it was weed, and he's he's going to do it because obviously they're they're undercover and stuff. But at the same time, man, it's like, come on, Jake. <laughs> A few times it's like, yeah. come on, Jake. But but that's what makes his growth throughout the film work because he, he comes in and he's expecting to learn from this guy and he's learning all everything not to do essentially. And then there's also that thin line about how can, how um, not complacent, but how complicit can he be along with Alonzo? But then also when is the time for him to break away from Alonzo? And that line is constantly blurred throughout the entire film, which is just a credit to David Ayer and and, uh, Antoine, obviously the director. I was going to ask you about that because I know in our high school, when this came out, in 2001 mm. a, a big conversation that like we were having was not, it wasn't fully like who was right and who was wrong but it was more so was alonzo right ish because if, so if, you, if you if you look at what he ultimately did from jake's perspective yes he committed murder and armed robbery which he absolutely does yes but he he robs and murders a drug dealer. So, so he's it, Batman it, without a code. Yeah, like his, mm-hmm. I mean, his code is anarchy. So he's like Batman <laughs> and Joker mixed. There you go. Uh, but there. if you think back to the time when it came out and to now, w- well, when when it came out specifically, was this like something that folks in your high school were talking about, or like when you talked about it with other folks, or what? what who did you feel was like more right and more wrong? All right. Well, th- this film came out in um october of 2001 i mean this is literally a, a month after 9-11 for me so i was in my first mm-hmm. year of college so really really wasn't until i hit dvd the next year where we all got to really sit down and start really yes, watching it yes and 
bro, there's just so many pro Denzel rooms, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, like, yo, this, this, everybody's on Denzel's side, man. No, no, nobody was feeling Ethan Hawke's character. Like, obviously, they knew that Jake, that Jake was right and and Denzel was corrupt, but everybody just wanted Denzel to win, man. Like that, that was that was the thing. We got to see Denzel act like a act like a nigga, man, and that, that's that's what people <laughs> were drawn to. It it, it worked. It worked in so many ways in that facet. So there's never a debate for us about who was right, who was wrong. It was more about just people being on Team Denzel no matter what. I think that is a remarkable feat that the movie has to where we talked about, I just kind of threw out Batman and Joker, but even The Dark Knight has us a little bit to where we have a villain who is completely villainous, but if you kind of think about what he kind of represents on a surface level and kind of the thoughts and, you know, leanings that he has just on a very elementary, very surface level, you will have a lot of folks that do agree with kind of his mindset, the idea that like, you know, <laughs> I, my favorite line since I first saw this movie and you're, and you're right. This movie on DVD, it's spread like wildfire, but you want to talk about a $5 bin classic training day man yeah and my favorite line through this entire 20 plus years of this movie was why do you think he was my friend because he knew my first name right (laughs) right (laughs) and that reminds me of something i just saw on social media the other day saying that everybody's not your friend you have co-workers you have colleagues you have acquaintances not everybody's your friend so it it plays right into that yeah that line's hard as hell yeah, and the, and the moment he said that, it unlocked this whole thing of you're reminiscing on the movie, you're thinking about it, and you're like, yeah, the reason he has $4 million buried in his kitchen is from drugs and drug dealing and, right. and likely death and likely murder. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's this weird conundrum of... If you're going to rob anyone, would you rob the old lady with her purse coming out the subway? Or would you rob a drug dealer who has access to $4 million dollars of cash? The $4 million. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I, dollars makes sense. I think that this movie is an incredible thought exercise for morality. And like you said, like, this is a month post 9-11. And then the DVD run when it started that's when we get into you know a lot of the weird politics of the time a lot of the weird <laughs> Islamophobia of the time and i think i think in the 90s we weren't really having the 90s were like this really kind of good time in the country because we had you know economic boom we had yeah. a rap culture like really becoming a part of pop culture you know, cinema, you know, film, like the nineties were like this incredibly rich time. And then once nine eleven happened for Americans, it, it really kind of upheaved that in a very, very stark in a very yeah, t- violent way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I think the murky morality of the movie is why it's lasted for so long. And so I can I can definitely see, you know, our, our favorite, you know, one of our favorite rappers, Jada Kiss, when he rapped. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yo, why have we have to let a white man pop her to get an Oscar? And why Denzel have to be crooked before he took it? Why they didn't make the CL6 with a clutch? And if you don't smoke, then why the hell you reaching for my Dutch? Why Denzel had to be crooked before he took it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is a valid observation from you know Jay to the moi. Right. Um, 
<laughs> well, yeah, man. But I think Denzel, the nomination and the win for his stellar career, I definitely think that this is probably one of the best characters that he's given us. Yeah. I know for me, it's, it's Malcolm X, like, no, full stop. But do you have a favorite Denzel performance? If it's not this one or, or Malcolm X, I'm going to pick a favorite that I always pull out every now and again, and that's American Gangster. I, mm. I just love his Frank Lucas. I, I love his whole vibe, that whole film. Then Hurt the Jay did an album based off that movie. But I just think both, <laughs> the, both performances from Russell Crowe and Denzel in American Gangster is, is absolutely worth the watch because I rewatched it not too long ago. And it, it still slapped the same day I went to the movie theater, man. Like that, the whole scene of the 70s and. And again, you you got the the black and white, and w- like where where's the gray really mix um, throughout that whole film? So, um, American Gangster is a, a definite standout. Yeah, American Gangster definitely definitely is, and you know he won for Glory and Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a great performance. Pelican Brief, co-starring Julia Roberts, that was a great performance also. <laughs> and it's funny with Antoine Fuqua. You know he's doing the Equalizer movie, so, so you know he's <laughs> he's definitely Equalizer on the side three right. now. He, he's he's got three of them joints out now. I know, so so funny. And also, just a shout out, you know, we did talk about Ethan Hawke. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor as well for mm-hmm. Jake Coit. So who did he lose out to that year? Uh, <laughs> have you ever saw a movie uh, called Iris? <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> so he was actually nominated alongside Bing Kingsley, Ian McKellen, and John Voigt, but he lost to Best Supporting Actor that year was Jim Broadbent. Uh, I know your favorite actor. <laughs> yeah. A, a hush falls over the crowd. Ringing all the bells right now. Exactly, exactly. I don't even know anything he's been on off the top of my head besides Iris, apparently. Second shout out to that. <laughs> uh, but, Denzel, but Denzel, he did beat that year. He did beat out Russell Crowe for uh, Beautiful Mind. Sean Penn in uh, I Am Sam. Which... Oh, he was the dead in Bridges Jones' Diary. <laughs> There that, it is. That, that, he was a Bridget Stead, <laughs> man. He was great in Bridget Jones's Diary, which I've spoken of my love about that movie on here before. Yeah, but go I, ahead. I'm sorry. I have as well. I have as well. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, uh, Denzel beat out Sean Penn for I Am Sam, which, you know, in Hollywood, if you played a, a, uh, mentally, yeah. a, a limited mentally you know, person, I don't know what, I don't even know what the phrase is. Tropic Thunder. I know Tropic Thunder made a whole joke about that, about never going for our word, man. So they were giving out nominations for that left and right. So Mm -hmm. he got, he got it for I am Sam. Will, he beat Will Smith and Ali also. And if you remember, do you remember it? Like, I don't know if it actually happened or not, or if it was yeah. just an internet rumor of Ethan Hawke and Will Smith getting into that fight in the bathroom at the Oscars. I never heard about it. That there's uh, a rumor they got to fight at the Oscars. It, it was a rumor that it was. <laughs> so I love Ethan Hawke, but he's a wild boy. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I I feel like that was a rumor that happened around that time. 
I think if I remember correctly, and this and this is obviously a twenty year old memory, so and, and through and through telephone, so right. you know this movie this memory is definitely murky. But from what I remember, it was like Ethan Hawke and and Denzel were in a in in the bathroom together at the Oscars, and we know Will's history with you know <laughs> <laughs> saying things he shouldn't say. With uh, you know, he, he he can get a little he can get a little physical at the Oscars, you know. Yeah, yeah. Out, the gold brings something out of him, and you know, him and him and uh, apparently the champ, the champ was there. Ethan Hawk and Will got into a little tussle, apparently. Uh, so I'll, I'll, what though? I mean, who the hell knows? That, that's like, crazy. Yo yo yo! Really quickly, uh, I I did remember this. Accurately, the rumor apparently it was a thing. However, it was shot down <laughs> rather quickly. Apparently, Denzel's wife gave Ethan a kiss on the cheek, and apparently, lipstick smudges look like face bruises, <laughs> and and the face bruise wiped clean later in the night. So, even though I did remember it. Obviously, that shit was bogus. <laughs> Back to the show. I need to get this take off my, my my chest. I did not think Will Smith was that good in Ali. I thought it had moments, but I know I did not see. Other than him playing Muhammad Ali, I didn't see why he got nominated, and I never really saw it. That movie's never moved me like that, aside from the boxing scenes. So the Oscars like like they like to award transformations, and mm. so. I think his performance was actually solid, and yeah. he obviously, you know, put in the muscle, got super bulky, yeah, and the mannerisms and the speech patterns. I thought it was solid, but I thought his performance was solid in a movie that was very, very mid. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a five out of ten or a six out of ten. Like Ali is not a good movie, unfortunately. Yeah, and so it's like. And when I say Will was solid as Ali, I would say he's probably still like a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not. It's definitely not my favorite Will performance. Um, so it's like you have this big campaign, this big deal of we're finally getting the Ali autobiography or the or the, the bi, uh, biopic biopic, and it's Will Smith who is you know a plus plus list. And then it, it came out and it was long as shit and it was boring. It so was it's very like, long, right? Yeah. yeah it was, it was, it was, I watched that one on DVD too and I, I definitely watched that in parts. It was not a, a sit down yeah. movie and, I, and my attention span is good. It, it just yeah. it was hard to stick with it. Now, Jamie Foxx, he actually should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I did Best enjoy Jamie Foxx in that movie. I was going to make uh-huh. that, that point. Yeah, but everything else, you know, we can we can we can do the we can do the Euro step over Ali. So, <laughs> That's what yeah. Ethan Hawke did in the bathroom over Will Smith. There it is. There <laughs> to bring it back. We did talk about Denzel getting nominated and winning. Yeah. Ethan getting nominated. Uh, and also we're talking about above the line nominations. So basically the main category is not really focusing on the technical categories. Right. I mean, but this is not a movie for technical categories other than, like, cinematography anyway. But those are the only two nominations above the line that it got. So, Antoine Fuqua did not get nominated for Best Director. Peter Jackson got nominated. He lost. David Lynch got nominated for Mulholland Drive. He lost. 
but it, it is it is you know a little interesting that the best director category is all white dudes ron howard ridley scott robert altman peter jackson and david lynch we so make up for it somewhere uh, so, so <laughs> you know you know god bless let's lighten but, these categories up we already did we went went too dark the last couple let's let's lighten this one up yeah the screenplay didn't even get nominated in the screenplay mm-hmm. categories, which Monsters Ball got nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which I saw is that fucking crazy. Was... <laughs> <sighs> Absolutely crazy. We're gonna get into that in a second. We're we're gonna do the pivot in a, in a minute, but yeah, I, I just pivot, all right? Yeah, I I did want to just throw out that you know we we could have got at least cinema, maybe cinematography, maybe not. Maybe best screenplay, maybe not, but you know, not even best director. When I think again, I think, and when we talk about Oscars, also they don't really like to nominate. You know, just kind of, I would say this is definitely a, a man movie. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I this is definitely be on Spike TV in the, in the mid two thousands, like all the time. So yes, hundred yeah. percent man movie. I would say the the first weak part of the movie. And I didn't think it was weak then, but watching it recently, I was like, oh, this scene does absolutely not need to, does not need to be in this movie at all. It was not only Macy Gray's performance, <laughs> which was fucking awful, but also the shootout afterwards. That just seemed like, you know, I, I've never been in a gang. I've never, <laughs> but I can't imagine just a gang is just hanging out next to the ice cream truck and just someone yells, shoot them fools. And then without question, everyone just starts shooting. shooting. Like, it's like, like, okay. Like I was like, okay, we, we've gone way too far deep into the man movie territory right yeah. now. Yeah. So that was, I think that was the first speed bump of the movie. Then the second speed bump was Dr. Dre and and him I was I was <laughs> he pulled that little mini fro that he was rocking around oh, then so tight uh, so tight uh, those cornrows all him and Snoop man like well Snoop actually had hang time Snoop it actually no no I want to talk about Snoop's hair I was just I was gonna say that them, them being in a movie I wanted to ask you if that, if that ever took you out of it when you first watched it. I know that we've both watched this many times since then, and they're obviously characters, but considering how big Snoop and Dr. Dre were around this time, coming off of uh, Chronic 2001, uh, yeah. did, it, did it ever bother you like that these dudes from The Wash were in this Denzel Washington film? The, the 90s and the early 2000s were a funny time. We were giving rappers all kinds of movie parts that they didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but and, and the funny thing is, Snoop's Snoop in this actually was pretty solid. Yeah. Like we, he was like crack. Like that shit was like he was like I like a that facial expression crack. is everything, man. <laughs> yeah, Snoop beat so, his ass off in this. Snoop Snoop was good, and so Snoop was actually really solid. So Snoop Snoop never Bothered took you. me out of it, but yeah. but Dre <laughs> Dre and Macy Gray always took me out of it like they were just shit like they were bad like oh yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dre throwing up I, this is a I know this is an audio visual audio medium I'm sorry but him throwing up the the he throw up his hand every time he finishes a sentence like what the shit like he was rap hands 
Like, it's rap heads, yeah. This one for the big dogs, you feel me? Like, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. You I know didn't... he has a problem controlling his hands. Oh, my God. You're fucking dead. <laughs> like, uh, okay, okay, Dr. Dre. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nah, that shit was crazy. That shit was crazy. Oh, man. Thinking about it kind of critically, you know, we mm-hmm. have some little fun with, with those fools. <laughs> but, Get um, them fools. I know. Get them out of here. Was there anything else in the movie that you thought was either weak or maybe a little bit lacking? The only thing that ever has bothered me about this movie, like aside from Dre and Macy Gray, but they're such small parts. When when Alonzo gets killed, man, they light his ass up. I mean, they got they, his ass. It was like Queen Latifah and sent it off. They, they literally it really was. blew him to smithereens, man. And I was like... Like he he only needs one like two good shots, double tap, and then they gave him the full Man. artillery. And I'm very happy you brought up the DVD aspect of this because I used to watch this on my PlayStation Two, and our shitty TV that was super dark. Whenever mm-hmm. I watch any DVDs, and so. For the longest, like there's just like small things that I never miss. I never, I never caught that the woman is in on it until I got an actual better TV. Because like, <laughs> so so when so when he pulls up and like the woman is there, yeah. I just all I always thought she got shot up too. I never realized she boxed them in to get him killed either. Yep. So, yep she she was the final piece, man. Yeah, that shit was. Uh, funny, yeah, um, they lit my man up. <laughs> They, they truly did. They absolutely did. Other than that, again, it does bridge in, a little bit into the into the dudeness a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I do think that with Denzel's stellar performance, with Ethan Hawke knowing I need to I need to be on an eight, so Denzel can be at a twelve. Their their balance. Antoine, knowing that we need to stick with these pairing for the whole movie, like we need to focus on what their relationship is. We need to be Ethan where you can even see in the moments where his naivete is almost breaking. Like, I think the best scene in the entire movie is their conversation in the car after they're, you know, about to you know get away with the robbery. What you think we're going to do? We're going to roll up in a black and white, huh? Slap the cuffs on them. You're under arrest. That's a high roller, dog. Take the money. I mean, I already told you I'm not going to take that. Take I'm it. not going to take okay, that. Hey, don't just burn it. Barbecue it. Fish fry it. I don't give a fuck, but the boys will feel better. But fuck their feelings. Jake, you're not making them feel like you're part of the team. The team? You guys are fucking insane. All right, I'll go back to the valley. I'll cut parking tickets, you know? Oh. Hey, it can't be like this. It is this way, man. I'm sorry I exposed you to it, but it is. It's ugly, but it's necessary. I became a cop to put away drug dealers, the poisoners, the criminals, not to be one. You sound just like me. And I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. You're scared. I'm not scared. Yes, you Terrified everybody goes through that the first time I went through it. The sooner you can match what's in your head with what's going on in the real world, the better you're gonna feel. 
in this business, you gotta have a little dirt on you for anybody to trust you. And when all this is behind you, there's gonna be a whole other world that opens up for you. I walk a higher path, son. I can give you the keys to all the doors. What are you talking about? My guys are pretty good, but they're not leaders, they're clowns. You're a leader. You want my job, you got it. You want to lock up poisonous, this is the best place to do it. But you gotta just, you know, take your time. You make detective, you play the game, you grow wise, and then you can change things. But you gotta change them from the inside, son. Let's go downtown to the station. You talk to my guy, Stan. And then we'll walk you through what you gotta say to the DA guys, okay? Even if you just study like what they're doing and how Denzel is on a 15, but he brings it down to a seven and he's, he's almost whispering to Jake to really entice him into lure him in into, you know, I know this is hard. I know this is wild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's like, this is, this is how we do business and you have the eye. And if you want to really make, real changes which is always a finesse if you want to make real changes you have to do it from the inside and so Hoyt a lot of times he's like saying you know I'm not scared but they're both on the verge of crying like that's how like in deep in character in deep in the moment like both of them are are going and so I think this movie has really held up and it's it's stood the test of time in in a really great way yeah, and a lot of the discourse about it, of course, going back to um, Denzel winning winning that Oscar, uh, of course, and oh, of course he had to be a bad guy to win an Oscar. Like if you if you just take the Oscar out of it and just watch the movie start to finish, like you said, it it, it literally is is a truly good film. And the fact that again for me it, it blends the lines between good and bad so well. And as a forty year old, think about who's actually right in the in different situations, and then ultimately seeing Alonzo meet his end because uh, of um, Hoyt doing the right thing. It, it's something that probably couldn't be pulled off again because I feel like it'd either be, it would lean too much to being funny possibly, or the the actors wouldn't be able to, to hold up the script possibly. Because if you don't have those two leads, I don't think the script works as well. I mean, if you think about it, movies in general, but also what America's relationship is to with police now, mm we don't really do cop dramas anymore. <laughs> if you, I think the last cop movie that came out was, it was Lesbian Cops, but it was, <laughs> it, it legit dropped in the middle of like one of the police killings. Right. So when that happened, Hollywood was like, you know what? Thank you for your service. We salute you, but get this shit the fuck out of here. And the That's funny crazy. thing is, and I think what makes training day remarkable is it's doing a lot of showing is not telling you how to feel like mm-hmm. and that's why people gravitated toward alonzo because the movie is not reprimanding you for seeing alonzo's point of view it's just showing you the point of view and letting you make the decision on your own right. it's it's showing you someone who in jake hoyt is idealistic 
and wants to do good, which in theory, most of us should be that way. But in reality, somewhere along the line, that idealism gets stomped out. Yeah, and then it's murky. It, whether it's like old age, whether it's your job, whether it's your boss, like whether it's anything, at some point, a lot of folks go from Jake to Alonzo. And can you stay as close to Jake as possible? Is that even possible to do when you become an adult and when you become older and when you become more, and when you have more responsibilities? I think that if someone were to make a movie like that today, again, our, with our relationship with police, what it is now, you can do stuff like that. You can have projects like The Wire to where we're going to show you the whole spectrum of what it means to be a cop. We're going to show you what it means to be a person who was a great detective, but a shitty human being and, <laughs> and, and detective McNulty. Uh, we're going to, we're going to show you what it is to be a drug dealer, but also we're going to show you what it means to be a human who is struggling at the same time. But I think, you know, with movies now, you know, we're, we're in a, re- a real weird spot with how we like actually have dramas. And I would, I would love a police movie like now to talk about, you know, what it is like, you know, what life for police in society is today. But I think it's a little bit difficult. I don't think a lot of studios want to take a chance on that. Yeah. Cause everything's still very fresh. Yeah. Still very fresh, man. So I, I can, I can agree with that. What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I... I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. Yes, the national, the national BA, the W national BA. Um, oh damn it! I've run into the lyrics. I'm sorry, but just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me. It's crying. It's crazy. And the Oscar goes to. Halle Berry in Monsters Bay. This is the first Oscar for Halle Berry. She garnered rave reviews in 1999 for her Emmy Emmy Award-winning performance in the lead in introducing Dorothy Dandridge. bigger than me. This moment is for Dorothy Dandridge, Lena Horne, Diane Carroll. It's for the women that stand beside me, Jada Pinkett, Angela Bassett, 
Vivica Fox, and it's for every nameless, faceless woman of color that now has a chance because this door tonight has been opened. Well, unfortunately, Kellen, it, it, it's, it's time. We talked about the incredible, the incredible performances in the incredible movie Day. <laughs> but unfortunately, we have to talk about fucking Monsters Ball. Uh, I, I want to lead off with something that I just, I just saw this morning. So I was on YouTube and I was like, I want to see what, what some your random YouTubers thought about Monsters Ball. And the first you, Monsters Ball review video I clicked on. It was an older man. I'd say he's around our age. Um, he he was of the uh, white persuasion, and he's he was like, he's like, yeah, I watch Monsters Ball, and this is rated an R, a hard R, and that was how he started Whoa, it out. Hey right? yo, <laughs> double entendre? What the fuck? Possibly, possibly, but then he goes on to lead off. He leads off and says, like, this film's rated R. But honestly, and I was like, maybe he's going to say he doesn't think it should be an R, or maybe he'll say it, might, it should be rated X. It's like, this film is a pornography. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, there is a hardcore sex scene in this movie that's so graphic that it should be rated pornography. And I was like, yeah, I'm done with this review. <laughs> I mean, shit, I, wish it was, I wish it was hardcore. But <laughs> anyway. I mean, it's, it's definitely... Uh, it's... Hey, I, the the only time I saw Monsters Ball was when they played it around Skinamax time. <laughs> so it's not hardcore, but it's definitely it's not porn. But one of those uh twelve twelve eleven thirty twelve o'clock movies that bleeds into Skinamax time. You're absolutely right. Exactly. You're absolutely right. So. So, it's so okay. So I think a lot of folks. I think a lot of folks have not seen Monsters Ball, but to set it up, it follows uh, these group of Southerners in Georgia, and it follows this one family who who just <laughs> a lineage of white racists. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Who basically push the people they love to suicide which is fucking gross like oh my god and so we have this family and then we have juxtaposed this black family of Halle Berry who's married to Sean P. Diddy Combs and who have a young portly child together and and all hell breaks loose like poor Tyrell man people are dying left and right like like this shit is crazy like and so the movie's basically ultimately the two lead characters uh played by Halle Berry and played by Billy Bob Thornton of all people Billy Bob Thornton all people uh, it's a tale of how their lives kind of crash together and how they're there ultimately to mend each other and boy do they put us through hell so, so they put us through hell so Holly Berry can get a bed at night like, it's just, <laughs> like this movie is fucking ridiculous like yeah th- this is this is a half a star for me when I get on Letterboxd it's gonna be half a star oh there it is there uh, it is like, I, I gave it two stars you're, for... you're more generous than me do we like Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> Can you oh, answer, his, me, his, answer that his, question for me? 
his character, him as no, an the actor, actor, him as a the person. Actor. actor person first. Not his uh, character. His character is again, he's a, a racist that's been handed down through generations. So I, we don't I, like Lee Bob in this movie. I'm not sure what his I'm not sure what he is personally. I feel like from things that I've heard like back in the day, from what I heard he's like kind of he's pretty solid. So he he's at least a solid person. We'll just say that. Yeah, that's what I've always thought too. Like I've never I've never had a problem with him as an actor. And I, I've enjoyed different movies he's been in. So Yeah, his, his skill as an actor, it's like he's like truly a serviceable actor. Which which I mean that in a, in a very positive way. Like if you have Billy Bob in your role, you're gonna get a pretty solid performance. He he does really good deadpan. He does really good comedy. Shout out to Bad Santa. Shout out to um, Bad Santa for real. He's a very solid actor. Like if if, if you see Billy Bob in that role, you're at least guaranteed that his, his performance isn't going to be necessarily bad or whatever. Yeah. He's a pretty decent actor. He's a pretty decent actor. In the movie he he chooses, I think it's kind of a mix, but I think his his top tier of movies, Bad Santa, Armageddon, and like a couple others sprinkled in, uh, I think they're they're pretty they're pretty solid. Oh, he he did this really great movie opposite of my guy Bill Paxton. Actually, your guy too. You like Bill Paxton? Yeah. Do you remember a Simple Plan? That was yeah. really good. That movie was so, excellent. Yes. Yeah, directed by Sam Raimi. So mm-hmm. no, Simple Plan was really good. So Billy Bob is actually a, a pretty solid actor. He's pretty good. I thought so too. I just wanted to throw that out there because I've liked him since Sling Blade, to be honest. So yeah, to Sling see Blade, him in this yeah. role was difficult for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bro, he throws out the hard ER, like, oh yep. my god. Yep. So and so basically, <laughs> so, so does so does my man, Young Frankenstein, man. Oh my god. Yeah, we we got some. We he starts Raymond's all, dead. Like, how could you? Raymond's dad. From everyone loves Raymond. He starts out. Peter Boyle, with, man. He starts out with. <laughs> he throws out the N word. He calls motherfucker coons. Like he is going. Porch monkeys. For it. Yeah. Porch monkeys. Yeah. yeah. Like, going, going for it. Yeah. And so. Ugh. And so the 90s, and this is obviously 2001, so it kind of bleeds a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think this era of where directors and writers wanted us to sympathize you know with deeply complicated people which on the surface i don't have a problem with but when you have people who are that one violent like he's physically violent to his son yeah he's um, horrible and absolutely horrible to sonny to a violent racist like it's like so you have to work extra hard for me to actually want to be on this journey of redemption with him. Right. But but ultimately, if you think about it, there's no real redemption that Billy Bob's character goes through. Absolutely <laughs> none. There's none. It's like, none. Like, his his son, his son takes his life. He, he, put, he shoots himself in the chest. He didn't even go for the head. He's just like, bow, watch me die. Yeah. And he before his son takes his life, he tells his son that I've always hated, hated you. you. Yes. So that's a relationship you cannot Cold make. Cold blooded. And so, and then his his racist dad, like <laughs> he literally so just puts him in a home and just leaves him in a home. But it's like, 
okay, you left your dad to die, which ironically he shares a room with the older black guy. I don't know if he caught that. I did. Uh, so, course. so it's like you, you have no real arc. Like you, you take Holly Berry in, in your home, but it's like, well, first of all, she's Holly Berry. So, yes. so Even I as know Letitia, she's still, um, still Holly Berry. So I know why you want to take her home. <laughs> so, so it's like, well, what have you done to earn Holly Berry? Like, what have you done to earn the make me feel good scene? Like literally nothing. Other than the two, um, the, the Coopers coming back after um, Sonny shoots himself and they're kind of like, sorry for your loss. And he's, he accepts it. Like he went, he ran him off earlier. And he's like, he kind of like, you know, thanks. Thanks for that. But I mean, that's the only nice thing. Only thing that's different from the time Sonny is murdered to the time making feel good happens. He gives most deaf a job. <laughs> yes, like, that's a gas station. Like, that's like you know, and it's like we got to work a little harder than this. Like, mm-hmm. we just can't skirt, you know. Most stuff <laughs> scooping up film roles around this time too, man. He was always popping up in something. Yeah, shout, shout to Yasmin Bay. But <laughs> so we 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 talked about Billy Bob too much. So <laughs> the, the focus of the episode is supposed to be on Holly. And ultimately, the kind of question of the season is, for this award, was it deserved? For Denzel, no-brainer, totally deserved. For Halle Berry. So let me throw out some names who, who she was nominated against. Judy Dench, Nicole Kidman, Sissy Spacek, and Renee Zellweger for Bridget Jones' Diary. Now, Kellen is making a face. And I was talking I was talking to someone else last night and I was like, Yeah, Renee got nominated for Bridget Jones and I was surprised because a lot of comedy actress roles don't get nominated recognized in this way. And she was like, Oh yeah, I would vote Bridget Jones all day over Halle Berry in this movie and absolutely like if they would have gave that to Bridget Jones, I totally would have I would have monumentally agree with it. The nomination, though, for Halle, like, it's like one of those things to where you have to kind of separate the movie and the performance itself. And if you judge it on her skill as an actress in this movie, was it one of the best five? And, oh my God, I, 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 I don't know. I just don't know. Like, I, if you, if you, I think, because of the make me feel good scene does a lot of, a lot of work. It does a lot of legwork for the nomination. If you, if you go outside of just that scene and you look at everything of how she acted with her son to the remorse of when her son dies to, you know, her being a waitress and then getting with Billy Bob. She's her performance is okay. It's not a bad performance. But I don't think the sex scene warranted a nomination. Like, I just don't. I really don't. It feels kind of gross to me, honestly. Only because I feel like it, it, any other actress who's who's not of color in that role, who does that role, I don't think they get necessarily nominated for an Oscar off of it. Which I do feel like they put a lot of her, like you said, a lot of her accolades. Um, and obviously the Oscar, they put on her being that vulnerable. As a character, Letitia is fine. And that scene is, that scene is, it's fine, whatever. It happens in a movie. 
but uh, honestly should have went to Renee Zellweger, man, because Brid- Bridget Jones, like having that character and have a, have a curvy character also be funny, but it also represent that and all those women who feel that way about not being able to find love and constantly trying to find ways to change themselves and do and do better in life and then keep getting setbacks and keep having setbacks of love and then overcoming. And yes, it has the classic rom-com ending trope where she ends up with the guy, even though she doesn't buy the second movie, but that's a different story. I definitely feel like that character should have earned her the award, but I can see with as muddled as this category is with Dench and Kidman and Spacek and then Zellweger and, and Hallie, I can see why they went Hallie, but I do feel like it was all for the wrong reasons, man. That sex scene's not in that movie. I don't think she gets nominated. Yeah. And the historic importance of the night where not only Denzel being the second actor to win, Hallie was the first. Hallie was the first. Yeah, I I did just see that. Denzel was second after Sydney. Angel was kind of looking at it with me, and she's like, what's the point of this movie? And I couldn't answer her. Like, I wanted to say a waitress meets a racist and they, they kind of hook up and stay together. Yeah. But even at the end, when it's revealed that that he was there when he got electrocuted, man, like, even when they're eating ice cream, like, you don't know which way. Like, I couldn't even read her emotions on that porch. Like, it looked like she was like, Wikipedia literally says, numbed by her suffering, she stays. I didn't get which... numb, numb from her suffering. Like, I didn't get any kind of real, how do I feel about this at the end? And if you think about it, what he did is pretty emotionally manipulative Mm -hmm. because it's like you saw this woman in this massively vulnerable state, not only with her son getting killed, but also you know that her husband was also killed as well. Right. So... If you have one or the other, that's difficult. Now multiply that by two, right? And so you know that this is a woman. And also, when he goes to her house for the first time, he knows that she's getting evicted. So you know that this is a a destitute woman in every way that you can define destitution. Yeah. And so it's like you do all these things to, to entice her to be with you when you're not a good enough human being to deserve that anyway. And so I yep. think what I think what the final scene is when they say like she's numb to the news, I think she's pausing because she's trying to process it, but it's like I literally have nothing. The man I told God that I'm going to love for the rest of my life, he's gone. Yeah. The child the child I gave birth to, he's gone. The house that we had together that is gone. So I literally, the car that we had is gone. She has nothing. And so it's like, in that final scene, it's like her processing, I have nothing. I only have this man who has means. So whether I... In a I, gas station that he named after me. And, and she's looking at a burial plot like 20 yards away. Right, a fresh and, one. And it, and it's like, from her perspective, that's not a real choice. She's literally choosing between life and death. She has to choose between either staying in this free home with this man with, with financial means and comfortability or being on the street and, and dying. Right. That's not a choice. That is absolutely not a choice. And so Damn. this 
it's a way better way to look at it. Horrible like, way to look at it, but that makes way like, more, well, a lot more sense. Like this movie is fucking bad in all the wrong ways. Like it's yeah. like I gave it a two star on Letterbox because I do think it's it, it is competently made. I appreciate parts of the like the photography in the movie. Um, I appreciate that we do get you know pretty solid performances from R. Peter the guy Heath Ledger. Howie gives a solid performance. Billy Bob gives a solid performance. Diddy wasn't necessarily that bad, but he like did you, enough. Like you said earlier, does does seeing Diddy in this movie take you out of the movie? It absolutely does. Yes. Uh, so you know, so it's like, well, okay, they at least they tried, but the story and the the racial politics and the sex, sexual politics of the movie is just too flawed to to have any kind of enjoyment from my perspective. So yeah, it, it's definitely not something I'll be looking to watch ever again. <laughs> Personally, I'm good. No, I, I am not going back to Georgia. With uh, Sonny and Hank and, and Letitia, man. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen La La Land before? I've not watched La La Land. So, me and Kat, we, you know, we talked about La La Land. And I think between the both of us, that was definitely one of the movies on this this series of this, you know, podcast that we both had just, just disliked. Like, <laughs> just like we just flat out. I think Kat's review uh, said, Mark, please don't make me do this. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and so, I think, I think if Cat watched this, I think she definitely would appreciate Holly. Even though we did take out the "make me feel good" scene, it is something that she did perform. Mm-hmm. And so, I think if we give her credit for that. We understand the nomination. We understand it. And so, I do think that there is a bravery to what she did in that scene. So, I think it is important to acknowledge that. Yeah. But she shouldn't have won, man. I'm sorry. I love Holly, but <laughs> she it's not it. This this is not yeah. it. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy for her, and obviously she's the first black woman to win a um, best actress uh, Oscar. It's huge. It's monumental. Yeah. It's historic. But for this film, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment. Is a little bit what it is. And 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 Jadakus, he <laughs> why the white man have to pop it to get an Oscar? <laughs> you know what, Jadakus? <laughs> that was a valid question to ask. It's a valid question to ask, man. Jada with all the right questions. Exactly. Per usual. Per usual. Mm-hmm. Um, psh, this fucking movie, man. This fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's <sighs> Sonny was my favorite um, part in the movie like honestly that was probably my favorite character like like again just, just seeing Hallie suffer was just rough she was acting yeah. acting her ass off but yeah. was, I, I don't like those kind of movies like it, that's one of the reasons why I don't do a whole lot of historical fiction movies especially when it comes to mistreatment of black people or slavery like I, I'll do it once j- just just so I can say I saw something but I'm not going to go through Amistad like just for, I'm not going to do that. It's not a rewatchable. No. It's not a rewatchable. No, like man. I think for movies that depict violence against black people, it's a reality that happens. And so for me, is it work that I routinely re- revisit? Like I've only watched Twelve Years a Slave once. I think Same. we had it on the schedule for one season randomly, and I think it just evaporated which i'm more than glad that it did i think those pictures have i think they serve a purpose and especially with 
are public schools now not teaching slavery and not teaching enslavement every chance they get like, yeah you know we do need art that does speak to that truth so i think it has value but i know a lot of folks their position is we have more than enough movies that have gone over this subject time and time again how do we now show art and show film that show black people beyond just that and so and and you know and for black folks in america that was our reality but for black folks who are in the caribbean it's a different kind of reality for black folks who are in south america it's a different kind of reality for black folks who are in in europe that's a different reality for Africans who stayed in Africa. It's a different reality. And so there, there are way more pictures to tell, way more stories to tell. And this, this was not one of them. I've been okay with this story. Never, never come to fruition. Like again, I'm very happy for Hallie, but this is not a movie that I'll be revisiting ever. Yeah, like <laughs> training day. Like, yes. Monsters yeah. Ball, no. I, I will watch Any Day again very soon, and and yeah, and like you can make you can make art and movies about complicated people. Everyone has skeletons. Everyone has a past. Everyone has done some fucked up shit from time to time, but the redemption has to be something greater than I put my racist dad in the home. Like it can't. So we be can just be together, that. right? After yeah. he said that horrible thing to her. He's like, oh yeah, you know, he oh, a, right. right. I literally, I literally watched that this afternoon. He's like, he likes that mm, juice. I'm like, whoa, that shit was wow. I I don't watch movies with captions on. I had the captions on, and seeing the juice in captions was wild as shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Again, God. something that we should not have to see. Yo, the the wildest line in this entire fucking movie. Oh my god, he ain't a man till he split dark oak. That's wild. Mm, I, I was still reeling from the first from the first part, but yeah, that was that was nasty, nasty work. Uh, yo, get these Pe- Come on, here. Peter Boyle. Come on, man. Yeah. Dang. Oh, what? Uh, I I can't call this episode Splitting Dark Oak, but a part, <laughs> of, me wants to, a part of me really wants to. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this, so, Kellen, this is the first time you ever play this game with us, I think. Uh, it's America's favorite game. It is uh, kind of problematic, hella problematic, or burn this problematic. Ooh. What are, what are you going to rate Monsters Ball? Burn this! Yeah, we gotta get the fuck out of here. We need all the flamethrower sound effects, man. All of them. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Ketchinetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Cat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This, this is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?